So I'm really excited today to be uh, starting or continuing, excuse me, week two of this series that we started last week called Worst Day Ever. And the reason that I'm excited about this series is because I believe that our bad days can be God's best moments. You believe that? That our bad days can be God's best moments. And that's what this series is about. How many people in here, you would just raise your hand and you would say, Jason, I know what it's like to have a really bad day. Come on, let me see your hand. I know, it's like really, I know what it's like to have a really bad week. Come on, let me see your hand. I know what it's like to have a really bad year. Anybody, anybody, a bad year. All right. We said last week we're not going to ask about decade because that just gets depressing. Um, but I was, I was reading this week, just doing some devotions and study personally for me, and I came across Romans 8.28. And it was just a great reminder of kind of what's happening in this series and what God is doing in our lives. Romans 8, 28, you've probably heard this before, but it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And as I read that verse, I just thought about all the bad days, bad moments, bad years, bad seasons that we've had in our life and, and just reminded that God doesn't cause everything, but God does cause everything to work together for good. That God doesn't cause everything, but he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And, and this series is based on a story in the Bible about a man named David, King David. He's got a lot of chapters and a lot of pages. He's the same guy as a teenager that killed Goliath and all the experiences in his life. But on this day that we're reading about over these next few weeks, he is having the worst day of his life. David is having the worst day of his life. His oldest son, whose name is Absalom, is trying to kill him, and the oldest son wants to take over as king. Now, I know that we spill our coffee and have flat tires, but how many people know that's a bad day? When your oldest son wants to kill you, all right, that's a bad, bad day. And each week of this series, we are looking at a different part of David's day and learning truths about how to handle life's toughest moments and days and Seasons And last week, we talked about bad news. Everybody say bad news. We talked about bad news because every bad day almost always involves bad news, right? And isn't it true that on our worst days, we're all tempted and usually grab a hold of the worst case scenario? Isn't that true? That on our bad days, when we receive bad news, we almost always jump to the worst case scenario. We said last week that we believe our fears instead of our faith. I did a hospital visit this week and one of the wives that I was talking to said, you know, I was nervous and I was scared, but I put my faith frames on this week. We talked about that a little bit, about viewing things through faith and, and not fear. And that's what happened to King David on his worst day ever or the worst day of his life is that he received some bad news, but we learned that, that, and we learned what David learned, that bad news is rarely as bad as we believe it is. And so today, we're going to kind of shift a little bit, and I want to I talk about relationships. Specifically, I want to talk about the role that a bad day or a bad season can play in the relationships that God wants for, uh, for our life. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, experienced the letdown of assuming that a friend will be there for you when you need them the most, but then when you need them, you look around and they're nowhere to be found. Don't raise your hand. But, but have you ever experienced that? Like, 
You thought they would be there. You, you assumed you knew who your real friends were. And then when you need them the most, you're let down and disappointed because, uh, because they're nowhere to be found. If, if you can relate to that, then you can sympathize with David today because that's exactly what happens to him on the worst day ever. And we're going to read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 16. If you want to find that in your Bible or your phone, if not, it'll be up on the screen for you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift. We think it's that important. Uh, but let me give you a little bit of backstory before we jump into 2 Samuel 16. David's son has taken over the army. He has started the coup. And now uh, he's become king and David is on the run. He's leaving town with a few trusted friends before his son can kill him. It was a bad day, right? And when David gets out of town, he, uh, he stops and he decides to take a head count of sorts. Like he's now out of town, he's you know, init- out of initial danger, and so he's going to take a head count and just kind of figure out who made the journey with him and who stayed back in Jerusalem. And I don't know if you've ever done that before, uh, you know, taking a head count in your life to see who's standing with you. You kind of just stop and, and you, you wonder what relationships have shifted over the last few months or years and kind of who's closer, who's farther away. That's what David's doing. David's taking a head count and he's making a roll call. And in the middle of the roll call, he notices that one person in particular isn't there. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3. Here's what it says. David's talking and he says, where is Mephibosheth? That's a mouthful. Where is Mephibosheth? Saul's grandson, the king asked them, and here's what they said. He stayed in Jerusalem. Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem. Now, you may not be familiar with the the story of Mephibosheth. His story doesn't last long in the Bible. But the quick version of the story is that Mephibosheth's grandfather was the king before David was the king, okay? And, and he was crippled because he was dropped as a child, and, and so he was crippled, and he, he spent his life in hiding. Because back in this time, if you had blood in you, you know, royal blood in you, the next king didn't want you alive so that you could somehow challenge the throne, right? And so Mephibosheth spent his whole life in hiding, crippled, afraid that if David ever found out he was alive, that he was going to be killed. Well, eventually one day, David does find out that Mephibosheth is alive. But David doesn't kill Mephibosheth. As a matter of fact, he extends mercy and grace. He moves him. He didn't just not kill him. He moved him into the palace with him. And the Bible says that he he invited him to have dinner with him. David invited Mephibosheth to have dinner with him every night. So I want you to just put yourself in in this story for a second, that David, instead of killing someone that thought that's what was going to happen, invites him to move into the palace and to have dinner with him every night. David has shown incredible kindness and mercy to Mephibosheth. He was there for him when he needed him the most, but it appears now that because David isn't king, it appears now that maybe since David can't do as much for Mephibosheth as he could when he was the king, that Mephibosheth has decided he doesn't want to be with David anymore. He doesn't want to stand by him. He doesn't have any interest in being David's friend because it feels like maybe he can't get anything out of it. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I don't want to get you too riled up this morning, but have you ever felt like that there are certain people in your life who are only friends with you because of what you can do for them, right? Like, they're, they're cool as long as you can keep babysitting, or they're cool as long as you keep picking up the check, right? 
They're, they're cool as long as you keep sharing the season tickets. You know, if you don't have enough friends in life, buy season tickets to something, right? And, and you know, like, as long as they keep sharing the tickets, y'all are best buds. But have you ever felt like maybe when you don't have a lot to offer, fewer people are standing around, that fewer people are in your life? That is what is happening here with David. What do you mean Mephibosheth stayed in Jerusalem? What are you talking about? And what's interesting is around this same time, David wrote a psalm in Psalm chapter 55. So we're getting a little insight into what he's feeling when he writes the psalm in Psalm 55 around the same time that this is happening. And here's what he says in Psalm 55, 12 and 13. David says, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Verse 13, he says, instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and my close friend. So David is saying, I could fight battles and get swords and go kill giants. But I think what hurts more than losing battles against enemies is feeling like I'm losing my friends. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But when we're having our worst days ever, our worst years, our worst moments, sometimes we just need someone to answer the phone. Anybody like me, like it seems like on the day when you need somebody to answer the phone the most, every call goes to voicemail. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, just answer the phone. Sometimes we just need somebody to pick us up and give us a ride. Sometimes we just need somebody to watch the kids for a few hours. Sometimes we just need to sit on somebody's couch and we don't need them to help us and we don't need them to tell us what to do. We just need them to what? Listen. We just need them to listen. The hardest part about bad days is how lonely it feels. It feels like no one else is feeling the way that you feel. No one else is experiencing what you're experiencing. No one else has ever been this alone. And for the time that we have left today, I, I want to shift the focus just a little bit because, honestly, I keep asking you these questions, kind of getting you riled up and defensive. Like, have you ever felt like your friends left you? Have you ever felt like, like, it can be easy to get negative when we're going through bad days, bad moments, and bad seasons to focus on our loneliness, to focus on who's not there for us. But I, I want to shift the focus a little bit and not let us throw a pity party today about some of the relationships that maybe weren't there when we thought that they would be. Instead, I want to give you three benefits of bad days. I want to give you three benefits of bad days or bad seasons when it comes to our relationships. That even though things feel terrible, and even though it feels like that this could not get any worse, that if you're willing to stop throwing that pity party for a second and you're willing to step back and take inventory of your life for a second, I think that you'll find three huge benefits in your life when bad days happen, especially when it comes to our relationships. And so for the time we have left, we're just gonna call this little segment of the message, we're gonna call it Milk, Matches, and Magnets. Milk, Matches, and Magnets. Can you just say that with me real quick? Say Milk. Magnet, or excuse me, matches and magnets. Let me explain what I mean, okay? It's like a magic trick up here, right? Let me pull this off for a second. All right. Bad seasons, bad days, bad moments in our lives, they affect our relationships, right? I mean, they do. And there are some relationships in our life that are milk, okay? And here's what I mean by that. They're good for a while, but guess what? They've got an expiration date. 
They got an expiration date. Now, listen, I don't know how much milk you drink in your house. I know everybody's on the non-dairy thing right now. We go through a lot of milk at our house, right? A lot of cereal, a lot of kids wanting milk. And, and everybody has experienced this where you go to the fridge and you pull out the milk and you check the expiration date. And it's not like a week late, but it's like two or three days. I don't know. Jerry Seinfeld says, I don't know how they get that date. Like, I don't know if they ask the cow or what. But anyway, so you, you look at the date and you're like, well, I mean, it's expired, but it's not... It's not like way expired, like we could still drink it. But how many people know like there are also those times when you go and you look in the fridge and it's like in that limbo land. And so you, you unhook it and you, you start sniffing that thing. It's never worked for me because I think milk smells bad every time, no matter how fresh it is. So I've never been able to spot when it's bad because of smell because it just smells bad. But, but there are relationships in our life that are like milk. They have expiration dates. And sometimes the best thing that can come out of a bad season is the end of a bad relationship. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes the best thing that comes out of a bad season is the end of a bad relationship. It reminds me of a story I heard one time about a lady who uh, passed away, and she was at her funeral, and the the service ended, and uh, the pallbearers are carrying the casket out, and they accidentally bump into the wall, and when they bump into the wall, they hear somebody moan from inside the casket, So they open the casket and the lady is alive. She went on to live for 10 more years and she ended up dying again, or not again, but she ended up passing away. And they have the funeral service at the same church and they go through the same kind of routine. And then at the end, the pallbearers are carrying the casket out. And as they're carrying it out, her husband yells out, please watch out for the wall this time. (laughs) That was a bad joke, I don't know. How many people know sometimes you just want a relationship to be over, right? I mean, sometimes you're just ready for the relationship to be over. That's terrible. I'm going to tell it again in the next service, but it is terrible. I'll admit that. Other, like, sometimes you're ready for relationships to end, but if we're being honest, a lot of times there are relationships that need to end in our life, but we're not ready for them to end. It's too painful We don't know how to start the conversation. We don't want them to feel like they're not good enough to be our friend. We continue to not put up boundaries in our life, and we continue to let people bring us down. Or maybe we should say, take us somewhere that God doesn't necessarily intend for us to be. And a bad season can filter out the people who are not supposed to go with us into our next season, right? Right? And I want to be careful how I say that because sometimes when we talk about uh, relationships ending, we can talk about them in a way that um, makes us sound superior. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, you know, it's like the Jerry Springer show or something. Like sometimes we talk about it like, you know, you can't go with me to my next season or, you know, it's like, you know, I got to separate myself from you. And we talk about it like with this kind of ghetto, fabulous attitude. Like, you know, I got to have my new friends because I got to leave you back. I'm not necessarily talking about this in this superior, superior way. Nothing makes me more angry in life than feeling like somebody thinks they're better than me. And I've got a story that I'll tell you later about soccer. But anyway, um, let's move on. Um, I'm not talking about it in a way that makes us sound, can I tell you the story about the soccer? I just want to tell this story. I'm just really annoyed by it. So... My daughter's Sadie's soccer team, we're good, and um, we're very good. 
and we got killed for four or five years, but then the stars aligned, and parents started requesting us as coaches, and so we're pretty loaded, and we don't run up the score, but we're loaded, and so we decided that we wanted to get our girls into a tournament, like a, like a higher caliber tournament, and so we got a information about a tournament, and I called this place down in Lexington, and you know, Kentucky sports, whatever, I don't know, maybe you're related to the guy I'm about to talk about, but anyway, <laughs> so I call, and I say, like, uh, hey, I'm excited, want to sign up our girls team to be in this tournament, and he's like, oh yeah, what, what gender, I said, girls, what age, seven to ten, and, uh, and he's like, oh, so what league are you guys a part of, and I said, oh yeah, we're, we're, we play in the YMCA, and through the phone, when I said YMCA, you could hear his shoulders sag like it was just too exhausting to spend any more time talking to me on the phone. And I said, yeah, they play in the YMCA. And he's like, oh. You ever had somebody be like, oh. He said his name was Brian. I'm like, okay, Brian. What's the problem, Brian? I pictured, I pictured Brian wearing pastel plaid shorts as he's on the phone with me. And so anyway, the point of my story is like, it really bugged me that Brian thought he was better than me. And we didn't get in the tournament. And I just want to be like, Brian, won't you pick 10 girls? I'll get my 10. We'll meet you in Frankfurt. Anyway. I had a point. What was it? Let me see. Oh, yeah. We're not superior. We're not superior. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Because when relationships expire in your life, it doesn't mean that you're better than someone. It just means you're in a different place than someone. It just means you're in a different place. Speaking of soccer, yesterday was Nora's game in the five and six, and Sadie came to me and said, hey, Dad, can I go in? I want to play. I said, Sadie, you're eight. You can't play in the five and six, right? And it's not because she's somehow better because she's more talented. She's just older. She's just in a different place. And so as you're thinking, even as I'm talking about this, as you're thinking about maybe some relationships in your life that, that have expired, but you're still like sniffing around trying to wonder if it's gone bad, like I'm not saying you're better than them. I'm just saying you're in a different place than them. And they're not supposed to go into the next season with you. And so sometimes it takes a bad season to, to get us to pull the plug on a relationship that needs to end. It's, it's always painful. It's never easy, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes losing a job is a necessary change of scenery, right? Sometimes a breakup is an answered prayer to your family and friends that have been praying about that relationship, like, like sometimes we go through painful seasons because it's the only way that we would let go of relationships we need to let go of. So there are relationships in our life that are like milk, right? They have an expiration date. But some relationships in our lives are, are matches, right? They're matches. They spark something new. So you've got relationships that have expired, but you've also got the opportunity to have relationships that, I hope I don't have smoke detectors, but you, you've got opportunities to spark something new in your life. And it always is amazing to me when I look back over my life and my seasons or transitional moments, it's amazing to me how much it always happened because of a relationship. A relationship. A teacher in school or a coach or a spouse or a mentor. 
that as I look back over my life, like there were guiding voices and, and people who helped me transition into another season. And bad seasons make us open to change, and sometimes that change is a new relationship, and it's a God-ordained relationship. If I were to ask you today how many of you decided to come to church or recommit your life to Christ because you were going through something terrible, gave you the idea to go to church or to recommit your life to Christ, so many of you would say, yes, I know your story. And the truth is, without that bad season, you probably would have never even considered a change in, in your life. And it's the same way with new relationships, that sometimes bad seasons clear out old relationships so that our lives can have room for new relationships that you may not even know that you needed. Because let's be honest, who has time for more friends, more relationships, more get-togethers, right? And so if you find yourself going through a bad season right now, just, just take a moment and look around. Look around your life, and I would be willing to bet that if you will take a moment and just have some honest reflection about your life as you are in this bad season, I would be willing to bet that God is already presenting someone or providing a new relationship in your life that is going to help guide you to the next season. Maybe it's a potential new relationship that's forming. Maybe it's an old relationship that it's time now to, to rekindle. Maybe it's a mentor. God has used mentors in my life, guiding voices in my life at every important transition. Maybe it's a friend who will be able to see you for who you are now, not who you used to be. That's, that's, that's a big part of our relationship. Sometimes they expire because, like, I've been a different person for 10 years, and you're still telling jokes about when I was 17. Like, I'm not that person anymore. And so maybe a new relationship comes into your life because they join the process or the journey here and they don't know you as Mr. or Mrs. here, right? Maybe it's a new business partner. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you meet at church instead of a bar, right? It's a match. It's a spark. And I don't have time to explain it, but in John 10, Jesus described himself as a shepherd and we're the sheep and it, there's some cool stuff there, but... What's interesting is that sheep are so stubborn that they will eat all the grass in a pasture and then they won't move. They'll just eat dirt because they just don't want to move. They like being comfortable more than having grass to eat. And so Jesus said that he leads them. They know his voice. Sometimes in our lives, it takes like a drought or it takes a shepherd's staff to get us to move. And sometimes that's in our relationships. Like some of you guys, no offense to your friends, you're not better than them. You're just in a different place than them. But like you're eating dirt <laughs> and it's time to find some new pasture. And there are relationships in your life that if you will let this bad season move you, you will see something new sparked in your life. Don't ever forget, we serve a God who wants to do new things. He said, behold, I am doing a new thing. So I'm not saying you got to move out of your neighborhood or tell all your friends from high school, see you later. But I am saying we've got to be open to new things, new experiences, new relationships in our lives because it may be the spark that we need for a new season that God wants to take us in, all right? So sometimes relationships expire like milk. Sometimes they're matches. They spark something new in our life. But, but some relationships in our life are magnets, and we're drawn to people because of what we've been through. This is, this is actually 
my favorite thing that, that happens to us when we go through bad seasons, that, that nothing in our life gives us sympathy or empathy like experiencing pain. Isn't that true? Nothing, nothing. And so what happens is you've got somebody over here who is going through something that normally you wouldn't even pay attention to or feel like was that bad or won't have a lot of compassion for. But now all of a sudden you've gone through a bad season, you've gone through bad moments and your eyes are opened and you have more sympathy and empathy. And so you're drawn together and this is a God-ordained relationship because you're seeing with new eyes, a new heart, a softer heart. I never appreciated what a family felt in a hospital until my mom went through 22 months of cancer treatment. Just being honest with you. Like I never understood like how bad they smelled and how awful the food was and the vending machines and the waiting rooms. And it's not about being uncomfortable. It's just about emotionally being uncomfortable. And it's just a bad place, right? And I never, I never appreciated that until my mom went through treatment for 22 months. And then it, it gave me a different perspective. Sometimes we go through bad seasons and our heart is softened so that God can use us to be a match in someone else's life. We're gonna be the spark because there's a magnet. Remember, God doesn't cause everything, but he does cause everything to work together for good. So maybe your divorce can have a greater purpose. And God wants to use you like a magnet to start connecting and drawing with people that you would have never noticed before. But, but now you have new eyes, a new heart, and so you're now using your mess as a message, if you will, or your pain as a platform. Maybe the place that you go every other day or every week to get chemo treatment is not just a place to get chemo, maybe it's a mission field because you're surrounded by people who are afraid they're going to die. And you never really thought about death before until they told you you had cancer. And now you've got new eyes, new perspective, new heart. Maybe the death of someone that you love gives you new eyes to see everyone who's still stuck in grief. You never really noticed before. You wondered why it took so long for people to get over something or to move on, but now you know. You know. And so maybe God wants to use you as a match in someone else's life, and so he's drawing you. He's giving you new eyes, new heart, new perspective, and, and you're able to be that match because you've been through a bad season now. You've got some scars. You've got a limp, and now you can spot everybody else who needs a friend. Everybody else who needs a hug. Everybody else who needs prayer. So here's my challenge. Here's my challenge for you today. If you're going through a bad day or a bad season in your life, I want to ask you three questions. Maybe you want to write these down. I want to ask you three questions if you're going through a bad day or a bad season in your life. Number one, first question is this. Is there a relationship in my life that I need to let go of? Is there a relationship in my life that I need to let go of? Again, not because I'm better than them. I'm just in a different place than them. Is there a relationship in my life that I need to let go of? Could I get out of this season if I stop trying to drag everybody with me into the next season? 
Is there somebody I need to let go of? Second question is this. Is there a new relationship in my life that I need to grab a hold of? You know, people, I want to say this was like, please hear my tender heart. I'm not saying this. I'll just say it and you understand. Okay. There are people who will say to me a lot of times like, I need a mentor or I need a good friend or whatever. And sometimes, sometimes you've got to be a little bit forceful and you've got to tell somebody the role that you need them to play in your life. Okay, now I'm not saying like because you don't have that, it's your fault. I'm just saying like you may need to go to someone because of a season you're going through. You may need to go to someone who is a good dad or who has parented teenagers before and said, listen, I know that we're kind of friends or maybe we don't know each other that well, but I'm really going through a tough spell here and I need you to help me walk through this. Can you be like a mentor in my life or kind of a, a, a guide in my life to help me know how to do this? Tell them. And only like the rudest, meanest people in the world will tell you no, right? And if they tell you no, maybe that's not the relationship that God has for you. But is there a new relationship in your life that you need to grab hold of? And then number three, third question is this. Is there someone around me who needs me to be a friend to them during their bad season? Is there someone around me who needs me to be a friend to them during their bad season? I know it's exhausting. I know that you can run on empty because you're giving yourself to so many other people, but I'm not talking about opening a soup kitchen. I'm not talking about, you know, being on call 24 seven. I'm talking about figuring out how you can help someone else in some small ways because you know the playbook. You've been where they've been. You've seen what they've seen and feel, have felt the way that they feel. And so maybe God wants to use you to be a match in somebody's life and you just need to step back for a second. Maybe you take five minutes over your coffee tomorrow morning or maybe you sit in bed tonight and you think and get a pad out. Is there a relationship that I need to let go of? Is there a relationship that I need to grab a hold of? Is there a relationship in my life that I could be the help, the match? the spark, and I need to throw my arms around someone, a little extra time, a little more attention, a little more prayer, a little more encouragement. We can have hope during bad days, bad moments, bad seasons, when we know that those moments and seasons are God's best tools to refine our relationships. And we can be grateful for what we're going through because we know that we're gonna be better for it in the end. It still hurts, but we can trust that it's going to help. It's going to help. And that God is going to work everything, cause everything to work together for an eventual good. Let's pray.